to Market Savvy Conversations. Today, our special guest is Emma Borthwick, who's a psychologist, and we're going to be talking about moving some of her work that she's been doing traditionally to the online space. Hi, Emma. How are you today? Hi, Megan. I'm good. How are you going? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Kick us off and tell us a little bit about your background from where you've studied, the type of work that you've been doing in practice and to your business today. So I studied my undergraduate degree in psychology at the University of Queensland. Um, And then from there, I worked in child safety as a child protection officer for two and a half years. I then went into working on the other side of foster care um, in a not-for-profit agency with foster carers and kids in care for two years. And then that kind of period of my life sparked my interest in working with children, adolescents and families in the area of psychology to help improve relationships and help cope with different life challenges. Um, I then went to study my master's in clinical psychology at Bond University. After that, I worked at a private practice based in Springfield for a year. Uh, Then I went and did a guidance counsellor role at a private school in Ipswich for a year. And then I started my own business, which is where I'm working now. Fantastic. And it sounds like there's a common thread through there of working with children. Absolutely. What is is it what you saw in the child protection and the foster care work that you wanted to be able to address or support more in your clinical work? What I saw, I saw a lot of carers struggling with caring for kids who had had pretty horrific histories of trauma, struggling to deal with behaviours and a lens to interpret that behaviour that wasn't necessarily they're just being naughty to be naughty. Um, All of that behaviour kind of served a purpose in the previous environments they were in to get needs met. It was just unhealthy ways of getting those needs met that were necessitated by the environments that they were in previously. So seeing seeing that and seeing the struggles they went through in my role as a child protection officer and as a case manager, I really couldn't help them that much. I was there to oversee the services that were involved and I could give them bits and pieces of assistance, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to be able to do more and to help more and to be kind of more of the hands-on therapeutic provider as opposed to the person coordinating everyone. Yeah, I love that. That's such a revelation as a lay person parent to hear that those behaviours are actually, they're a communication, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, I think so often we think that kids are being naughty or attention seeking just for the sake of it when in their minds like sometimes they may just be being naughty but sometimes there's a purpose of that behavior to communicate something or to get a certain need met that they might not be able to communicate Mm, and then it's about us as adults kind of becoming the detective and putting that little detective hat on and working out okay I'm seeing this behavior what's happened before what might they be wanting what are they needing from me and can I give that to them right now? Yeah, amazing. And so then your clinical, in your own practice, congratulations that you've been running, tell me about the services that you've been offering and and where you're located and you're based and your practice name. Tell us a bit about the the current world. 
So current world, I'm based in Sherwood. Uh, my practice is Minds in Bloom Psychology. Uh, I work predominantly with children, adolescents and families. Mm. Um, I work a lot with kind of neurodiversity, so ASD, ADHD, um, learning difficulties, um, depression, suicide, self-harm, anxiety, mm. um, supporting both children and young people and parents who are going through those things when it comes to kind of neurodiverse neurodiverse children it's helping parents understand the diagnoses understand kind of what that means in practice and how to manage the behaviors that they see from their kids um and then when it comes to kind of depression anxiety suicide self-harm it's helping kind of parents to understand where this might be coming from what the cause might be and how they can create environments that can help support their kids and help their kids open up over time. Yeah, amazing. So it's not here's my child, we need my child needs help. It's the child care approach that you yes, take, isn't I, it? Yes. I mean, I do get a lot of parents coming in saying, can you fix my kid? <laughs> to which I kind of say, how about we work on ways that we can adapt the family unit so that everyone can get along better. Yeah. Um, so I take that focus of can you fix this person to, well, how about we look at the whole system, which is where everyone exists, yeah. and work out what things are working, what things aren't working, and how we can make that better. I love that shift. That's so good. And um, then moving some of your services and what you do to the online space, what's drawn you to having digital offerings? What appeals to you about that? When COVID came along, there was a huge uptake in need for mental health support, but the system didn't have enough, psychologists didn't have enough support, so people were on really long waiting lists. Mm. What I want to achieve by going online is giving parents and carers access to like an online crash for parents where if they're on a waiting list to get help, the parents themselves can get help and education about different topics, how to support themselves, how to support their family and how to support the young person because the entire system when it comes to mental health of a young person is impacted. It can impact the parent's mental health. It can impact the parent's relationship. It impacts the young person's relationship with their parents, with other siblings, with friends. So it's really providing that online space where parents can go and feel safe and learn and get access to services so I can ultimately help more people than I can doing face-to-face work. One after the other after the other. I love the portability and the privacy of those skills. And I can imagine one challenge would be that parents might not necessarily see themselves having a role in adapting their own behaviour. I don't know if that's a fair call. I love your thoughts already around the whole system and we're adapting the whole system. So in extending that out to online, I'm guessing that's going to be like more of a portal and a place of resources where people can can access those help that help and those insights as needed. Tell me your thoughts around that. Are yeah, thinking- so so the the idea is it'll be a portal that parents can access. There'll be courses available and that they can purchase as a once off. There'll be options for memberships where they get access to a whole bunch of online resources and courses and different options for coaching and one-on-one support. Um, it's, a, it's a whole space designed for parents, which I haven't really seen out there in the market 
at the moment. Mm, I love that. That's so exciting. And tell me, what's the ultimate vision? So if we think, you know, four or five years forward, once you've, you know, it takes a long time to get these things built and launched and up and running, but what's your vision for the role of the parent crash into the future? I guess that it would just continue to be a space into the future where parents feel held and supported and listened mm-hmm. to and are provided with the resources and strategies that are really going to help them to navigate life as a parent and yeah. navigate the tricky situations that happen in primary school, in high school, as the kids become terrible teenagers, like what's normal in that terrible teenager realm, what's, you know, of course, the concern, just a place where parents can really come and understand all of those things and feel like they've got the tools to tackle it head on. Yeah, I love that. We've had a conversation previously around even understanding the difference between low mood and just sadness and our own reflections of our teen years are no longer the insight because we didn't have social media. We didn't have all these other influences and pressure, did we? So how different is it for kids now than (laughs) than, than us? (laughs) Um, It's it's incredibly different for kids now than when we were at school. When we were at school, we were very much sheltered from the social media world. At best, there might have just been messaging apps that that we could use if we decided to use them, whereas now kids are online and they're online all the time. So things like bullying in the past that might have just happened at school, now not only does it happen at school, but it can happen online through messaging apps, through social media, through any potentially any platform so kids don't get a break from it anymore yeah it's that's kind of one side of it the other side of it is as bad as parents might see social media sometimes it's Mm. the way that kids connect with their friends now it's how they organize outings it's how they kind of run their life and connections and chats so it's hard to balance like there are definitely some downsides to it but the other side is that it's kind of how they organize their social world they don't do phone calls anymore what are phone calls (laughs) I've had kids say you know why would you call someone when you can text them or message them yeah we're like what (laughs) What happens to the call on the landline or a letter or something kids just don't kids don't communicate that way so it's it's about balancing (laughs) balancing the two and kind of understanding that the kids are very much in a in a media focused world um, telling, and telling my sorry, I was just going to say, I was telling my daughter about dragging a dial phone down the hallway on a long <laughs> cord to squish it under the door of my bedroom to talk to my friends for four hours. <laughs> like, that's not social media. <laughs> no, that, and and it's very controlled as well because you you chose who you called on that dial phone, mm-hmm. whereas kids nowadays, bullies, whoever it might be, can get access to their number through whatever means. And they don't always have a choice about who contacts them or not. Like they can block numbers, obviously, but mm-hmm. there's also the element of, you know, them wanting to fit in and wanting to be part of something that might keep them going back. So there's a lot of, a lot more complexities now yeah. than when we were at school. Yeah. But a lot of parents will kind of or have said to me that, you know, oh, it's not that different to when we were at school, but there's quite a few different factors now 
that weren't present when we were there and thank goodness they weren't. (laughs) Yes. And we need to learn that. Like parents need to learn that so that they can be the advocate and work with and not be another force of pressure. Yes. Or another force telling their kids not to do it or not to use it or blocking it because in reality, kids need to learn how to manage this because it's going to be there for the rest of their lives. So instead of, which is an interesting thing for parents to get around because we didn't have it, right? So Mm. it's kind of creating a new mind frame around we're going to need to teach these teens and kids how to use this responsibly and safely as opposed to we just need to cut all access to it completely because that leads to teenagers, maybe young adults who don't know how to manage it. who don't know how to put boundaries in place around it, who don't know how to lessen the effect of nasty comments or anything like that, and then who we find later on get really, really badly impacted by it. Yes, of course. Wow. We were so grateful for you building this amazing portal to help parents everywhere navigate these challenging times. And, you know, it is, it's a lonely, isolating feeling for a parent who's going through a tough time as well as the child themselves. So it's amazing work that you're doing. And where can people find out more? How can they start following your journey of what you're building and watch the progress unfold? Watch the progress unfold. So I make regular posts on Instagram and Facebook about just providing parents with basic information about different topics. So they'll be coming closer to launches. There'll be more information and more series of information on these things. Um, my Instagram is the.mindsinbloom.psychologist. And um, so my Facebook is the Minds in Bloom Psychologist. So if people want to follow the journey or just learn more general information about topics, they can go there and I'll be posting more about the journey for the courses on there as well. Fantastic. And I'll put the links to those social platforms as well below so that we can all get cool. (laughs) We won't ring you, Emma. We'll follow you online. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Can't wait to see it all evolve. And uh, it's been wonderful working with you and here's to your continued success. So thanks, Emma. Thank you so much for having me and I look forward to continuing to work with you. Thanks, Emma. Okay, bye. Bye.